Okay, if you don't mind, we'll get started, and I'll do the first uncomfortable thing. If I can get this table to either pick here or here, and come on in. We'll get the uncomfortable stuff over with real quick, now that you're all settled in. We have a reason for moving you. So Eric did it right. He went to a table that was already already populated. Yeah, but now he's going to put the R ideas with his parenting ideas. Not for stories. Oh, we have a lot. We will play well to the scenarios we're going to play with today. Okay, we will get started just a moment. We'll let people get their coffee. I will be asking folks to, to grab scriptures for me like we did last time. Um, so we'll be prepared for that. It's, it's <laughs> and with that, Skip, if you wouldn't mind, would you open us up in prayer? Sure. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for us having a church family that we can rely on, that we can encourage each other, that we can strengthen each other. Thank you for Charles and Heather uh, and this class. I pray that you'll bless them as they help us understand more about relationships with each other and with children. And we just ask for your blessing during this time, in Christ's name. So I sat down last week, but then I was wondering, could you guys see me half the time? So I'm going to try standing today. Um, I'm going to try to make it very interactive as we get through the first part of it. If you weren't here last week, um, Heather and I are not doing this because we've arrived and we know it all. I think if we know anything as time goes by, it's all about God's grace like any other part of life. Um, It's all about God's grace. So anybody want to venture to be brave and say, what did you take out of last week if you were here? It's been a whole week. It's been a work week. If not, I'll, go, I'll, I'll do a quick recap. Skip. Uh, you're normal. <laughs> I mean, that was something that um, my wife and I never had children, so um, I wanted to sit in on the class to, to learn a lot of different things. But what really was wonderful was the normality of the journey and the different things that you expressed. And how that, um, the preciousness of what God has entrusted to you two and to every other parent was very apparent. And then the application of this journey, um, I just thought it was marvelous. And it was very exciting to just come back today and hear more. Um, that's what I came with. Any other takeaways from last week? I like the practicality too, your, and your examples. Um, and that this not going with three structure out, which is the kind of thing that people can in their mind think would be wise and fair, but that it doesn't work. So good to be reminded of that, what works and what doesn't. Don't so, waste time on mm-hmm. So if you weren't here last week, we tried three structure out, which meant they always t- took two and a half strikes. So it became one strike. You get one strike. That's it. We thought it was a great idea. You know, give them, make sure they've heard it. And then make sure it's really clear what you told them, and so they were, they were living up to it. They knew they, they were just had smarter than we thought. Before. They understood the first time, and they understood that they didn't have to do anything till the third time. Um, the, anything else before I go into yeah, a couple? Things? I was super encouraged and just love the ideas that you guys gave about um, just evaluating things and how is this working for us, and you know whether it's about kids or whatever. Um, just regrouping and, and just constantly evaluating. See them where you need to tweak and change. Okay. Anybody else? Well, that was like the um, adaptability and the, uh, I guess, forgivingness of the techniques in a lot of ways. Because you know, you're saying you know, you're seeing this trend go on. If you're doing something wrong, doesn't mean you can't fix it. You know, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean the kids are going to grow up and be hoodlums now. You can. <laughs> God is gracious, and we can adjust. And if they do grow up to be hoodlums, that's. Ultimately, on them, as long as you did what you were supposed to do and don't get into that guilt trip for life of somebody didn't turn out. So, anyway, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that today. 
an example of that. Can I say one? I, I really feel like God's still raising us. He's He's still helping us to be grown-ups when we don't feel like being grown-ups on any given day. And children are a, just a magical gift of, you know, you have to be an adult today. And, and by the way, you're very immature in this area. That's the Lord telling me, you know, this will help you grow up. <laughs> See, I thought I was pretty good with with being laid back and easy, and then I got married. And then I realized I was a little bit selfish. And then I thought I kind of got that under control and we had children. I realized just how selfish I really was. Um, and I'm still realizing that today. Another example for later. Um, one other recap, just high level of last week, was the real goal of it was to set the stage for get on the same page with God and get on the same page with your spouse. Um, so all of this is going to be from a biblical perspective. If you aren't on the same page with God, you're already off, and, and, and things are going to be rough. But you also have to get on the same page with your spouse about how you want to do things, what the plan is before the event occurs. <coughs> or when the event occurs and you didn't have a plan for it, you talk about it afterwards. How did that go, and how did we do that better next time? And getting on the same page with your spouse, if, if, they're, if they're also believers, that's one thing. If they aren't believers, that I've, se- I've, I've seen that done and done well. Because, um, you know, I, I, I work um, in the real world. I, I don't work in a... Sorry, that sounds bad. I work in... in I don't work in ministry. I work as a layman. And I work amongst people who are not saved. Yet most of those people come to work not trying to screw everything up every day. They actually want to do a good job. Um, most people will go into parenting the same way. They, they don't want to create mass chaos. Um, but on the, so that's the extreme side of life. On, on the more practical side of life, um, what Heather and I can handle in our house is different than what you may want to handle in your house. We, I, t- I touched on it last week. As, as our older children launched and went out, and they had to go, okay, here's how mom and dad did it. Here's why mom and dad did it. How am I going to do it? And why am I going to do it the way I'm going to do it? So those are different households, particularly noise level. Noise level, I, I, I can't handle noise. It just doesn't work. Um, you, you have more examples than, than you have time to go. So my house, that's part of the, hey, keep it down. But that's, that, that's not in here. That's just Charles's house. He can't handle noise. Um, so it will be different with every family. So let's kick into it a little bit. So again, last week was all about get on the same page with God and then get on the same page with your spouse. Uh, we talked about doing those regular checkpoints, not annual checkpoints, not probably not monthly checkpoints, but at least weekly. Daily, great, if you can pull that off, but schedules are crazy and insane. And by the time you're ready to talk, it's the lights are out and you're already half asleep anyway. But there should be a regular retrospect of how are things going? How do you assess how things are in the house? What worked? What didn't work this last week? How do we work on the things that didn't work so well? I was going to mention that one thing we didn't bring up last week was when we talked about getting on the same page with your spouse, one thing that's really nice about that is it doesn't have to be the same page of your parents. Because sometimes your parents are both still telling you how how that should be done when especially for the wife that can be hard because your husband's now the the authority of your home and your parents may still be wanting you to do it a certain way um my sister ran into that because she married a, a a wonderful man but he wasn't sure about spanking he just wasn't sure the bible meant literal spanking he thought it could be figurative and use a form of discipline kind of thing but she submitted to that and god's blessed their marriage and their unity and, and they their home looks a little bit different than ours um, and like his tolerance was much higher for things than than maybe ours would be but but God blessed all that and she she had to <laughs> she had to um, realize it didn't matter how our parents raised us she now needed to be on the same page with her spouse you know the, the verse about wives submit you to your own husband you really do have to be You've got to be a team. It can't be you and your parents against your husband or the husband's parents. It, it, that has to be, the parents are now for, and we're learning this because now we're in-laws and grandparents, is we're there if we're asked a 
question. You know, we, we can give wisdom as we're asked for it, but you don't have to be all burdened that, what are mom and daddy going to think about what we're doing? You know, if you're on the same page, that's where God wants you to be. I just... Kids will naturally worry about that anyway. Yeah, without a, Without us pushing the pressure button. <clears throat> Um, let's go into biblical roles and responsibilities. Um, so children, what are their, what are their <coughs> as we deal with children as they deal with us, um, this is Pastor Fan, the third, or who? Yes, the senior. The third, the senior. Marshall um, he, he summed it up with there's two hills that will die on in his household, two hills to die on. And I want to talk about what those hills are and then and talk about some verses that go with that. Um, one is obedience and one is honor. So on those two hills, you plant your flag and you give no ground. Um, I forgot the situation. I, I forgot the name of it. Um, my dad was a military historian. That was his training. Um, he taught He taught at the collegiate level for four years. That was one of his rotations as he went through his military career. So I, I am just chock full of all the military stuff. That, yeah, I, would, I would go in while he was grading papers and watch reel-to-reels of World War II and Vietnam and all that stuff. But there was a there was one uh, I don't remember his rank. It was a major captain, major colonel, whatever. There was ground. In, this was a Vietnam example that that they had to hold. Uh, this is not the Hamburger Hill one, but he had air support coming in, and as air support was coming in, they were going, "Poor, do you want me to lay this fire down?" And he said, "You lay it down on my radio signal, because the fight was right there." Um, now, if you're the radio guy, that's kind of a full, full-blown commitment right there. Um, but he was saying, we will, we will hold this ground to the last drop of blood. And you can go through all kinds of military history and, and find examples of that. Um, but So I think the Bible gives us those two hills to die on. And let's look at um, obedience first. If someone can look up Ephesians 6.1. I'll get a hand and then I'll give you time to look at it. Who wants Ephesians 6.1? Matt's got that. Colossians 3.20 through 2 Timothy 3.2. Anybody want to volunteer for that one? You can pick Eric. Okay. Josh, if you want to get Exodus 20.12, we're coming to that one next. So if you've got Ephesians 6.1, it's a short verse. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your It's pretty straightforward. Children, obey your, obey your parents when they're... When they, when they tell you to do what you want to do? No. Colossians 3.20. Children, <clears throat> children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing. 2 Timothy 3.2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. So you got the two saying, obey your parents. you got the third with, what will the world look like in time? Um, so what does obey mean remember when Christ challenged it was, I think it was at Pharisees he gave the whole story about you know a father told one son to go out into the, to the fields and do something and he said no I'm not going to do it and he said to the other son um, go out to the fields and he said yeah I'm going to do it well the one who said they were going to do it didn't do it the one who said no I'm not going to do it went and did it and so they asked Christ which one obeyed? Or Christ asked them, which one obeyed? And the answer was, well, the one who did it. And what was Christ's answer to them? What, what was his rebuke? Anybody remember? I should have looked this verse up because I don't have it in my... I have to look it up. He basically, he basically said, you guys are teachers of the law and you totally missed it. Nobody obeyed the dad. One said they would, didn't do it. One said they wouldn't and did it. One said they wouldn't do it and did it. Did I say that right? (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, neither of them obeyed. So what are we after with obedience? And this is in your book, page 45. I don't know if it's in the same page as the new edition. This one is talking about... um, This one's not. That, this is a. This is the caution. This is the caution. I'll, I'll do the caution in a second. Our version of this is: What is obedience? It's do what I say. Duh. 
do it when I say it, and do it with a good attitude. Um, the book would describe obedience training to be obey without challenge, excuse, or delay. Our version is do what I say when I say it with a good attitude. Mm-hmm. And again, all of this plays out differently on age based on age. At Emma's age, it's do what I say when I say it and do it with a good attitude. And if we want to talk about it later, okay. But we aren't going to negotiate and talk about it, what you may or may not want to do at the moment. You need to do it. Um, and I, th- I think there is a caution with this. And the caution is that we aren't just out for well-behaved kids. And this is page 45. Um, some people succumb to the pressure to raise well-behaved kids. Um, the authors of this book are saying we want them to develop poise to converse who have social graces who know how to interact not just I told you to do it, go do it we want them to be able to respond with grace under pressure all that's necessary to be successful in our world so you can't respond to your children to please someone else I know I've been in that situation where my kids are starting to do something and I see others and, and in my in my house it would be okay but again, we're all different. And there's that pressure when you see someone saying, I think your children should do this or this. And it can be extraordinarily subtle, but, but very to the point. You know, it can be delivered subtly, subtly, but it can hit like a hammer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there? That can be parents, that can be people in the church. Um, Sometimes it can just be a look. It could be a it could be a glance, a look, a any sigh. of those. And then all of a sudden we're, we're, we're correcting the child for something we wouldn't normally correct them from because of the pressure of what we see around us. And what does that do for the child? It just confuses them. It's like, and and as, as you start to go down that path, you're in danger of going down a pharisaical path of you do things because of, because of the way others see you, perceive you. Um, and that's all, you have to do all that in balance with scripture. I, I will defer from certain things because I don't want to be a stumbling block. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about because we're around someone else, we're going to act different. That, that really shouldn't normally be our, our, our normal way of doing things. Yeah, go ahead. We live next door. When, when we had Colin, um, he was about nine months old when we bought our first house. And it happened to be a house that we had driven by before because it was right next door to his sister. And um, it was a house that was horrible. He even said, I will, if that's the as last we were, house. As we were dating, we would go visit my sister. And I said, if that was the last house on the earth, I would never buy it. <laughs> it was that our was first, first house. <laughs> well, it was all we could afford. It needed so much work. And um, so we, we lived there, and God really grew me a lot living next door to her. She was the type of housekeeper that you never walked in and saw unfolded laundry. That was unacceptable. Um, It was just, everything was just so. And she was like on her fourth child, and here I was with... So, you know, she would have a baby one year and use cloth diapers, and it was horrible if you used disposable. And then the next year she would get overwhelmed with disposable and cloth diapers. That's just too much. You know, (laughs) whatever she did, I felt like... I need to do that. And one of the things she did was she had two girls first. We had two boys first. So you can imagine the differences. And they were not allowed to play with guns or swords or anything. And then she had her first son right before we got married. And then we started out with two little boys. And my boys were over there, you know, (laughs) shooting each other. And some of y'all may have that rule, too. It's fine. But his dad was military. And he would take him to the museums. And there's all these guns. And we support our troops. Yay. But you can't play with guns. So it was just those kind of things where you feel this intense pressure. I don't know if men do it as much as women, but you're like, I like this person. I respect and admire this person, and I love how the children walk like little ducklings in a row right behind her. And mine are, I don't know where they are right now. And it was so much pressure. But, you know, that was one thing, and I will say this to any, any wife here who's, whose husband wants to be a little more lenient or whatever, like our... our um, what do you call it? Tolerance levels are different in different things. Like if the kids want to do something that's a little risky physically, like physical safety stuff, they know to come ask me because I'll probably say, yeah, 
go ahead. Charles go, you need to wear your helmet. Do you have knee pads for that? You know. <laughs> but if it's a movie or something like that, you know, I'm not even sure we should go to theaters, you know, I just don't know about this. And you know, Charles They're coming so, to me. <laughs> so God put you with your spouse for a reason. There's gonna be a good balance there and then he'll give grace for whatever else. But that was um that was my example of realizing that maybe I'm motivated to discipline my child at this moment because like one example was we were in a little inflatable pool in our front yard and her children were in the pool and my children were in the pool and my son who's allowed to play with guns picks up a styrofoam floating toy just suddenly he's probably 18 months old to two years somewhere in there and just picked it up and comped her son as hard as he could on top of his head and I just <gasps> immediately I'm going she's gonna think we're violent and we're playing with guns and I'm just horrified and she just calmly said, Heather, don't be shocked when your children sin. And, you know, in that moment, it was the most wonderful nugget of truth. You know, yeah, why am I shocked that they're sinners? <laughs> but I was, it was all about impressing her in that moment, not what's best for my child. And I'm going to overreact so she knows I'm going to deal with this. So that that's my example. And she also got into something we talked about last <clears throat> week, and it was part of the recap, was being on the same page with your spouse. Don't let the... Don't let the kids play you one against the other. Because mm-hmm. there are things that I would tend to go yes easier, no easier. And they're typically opposite of what she would do. And they know it. And they know it from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, they just get very sophisticated as they get older in how they approach it. Um, so always make sure you're on the same page. Uh, the other thing, just I couldn't let it go. What was funny is, and, and this goes to the innate children you don't have to teach them to do wrong. Um, you don't have to teach them to be violent. And the kids that weren't allowed to play with guns, you know, they always had one with them. <laughs> always. It was funny to me. Anyway, I digress. We were trying to be in the obedience section, the two hills to die on, obedience. And what I was trying to get to as we um, we looked at, at the um, don't, don't just react because of the pressure around you. Um, we aren't after... The end result is not well-behaved kids. The end result is you're training them to please God. And you're, 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 you're after their heart. The, the, the outward expression of that being correct will be correct. Um, the second hill, honor. So first hill was obedience. Second hill was honor. Who's got Exodus 20, 12? Josh. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So there's something in that, you know, there's something for the kids in that one. It's, hey, you need to do this, but look, here's what comes with that, the promise. Can someone do Leviticus 19.32 for me? I'll give you a minute to get there. <coughs> anybody, anybody? Heather, can you do it? There's not. Um, Deuteronomy 5.16. Right up here, Proverbs 15.33. Drew, you want to grab that one for me? So when you've got it, give me Leviticus 19.32. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you pretty much like Exodus 20.12, and you also have that reiterated in the New Testament, going back, pointing to those. Proverbs 15.33. Fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. So I wanted to, I wanted to camp on that one for a minute. Before honor is humility. <clears throat> what does that mean? Anybody want to take a shot at What is that? Honor, be- honor before humility. Uh, before honor is humility. Well, and I think because the exact opposite of humility is pride, unless we're willing to be humble, you know, it, you there is no honor in pride, but there is honor in being humble before the Lord. And, well, basically it's, you know, you, you can't be proud and, and still make a good impression. <laughs> and that's where I was trying to go. So... Obedience. I can, I can obey, and I can obey gritting my teeth, right? What about honor? I can do it because I have to. I can show you deference, Skip. 
I get honored as a veteran because I served first. Yeah. The serving has to come first. You won't receive honor without any serving. So, so to me, there's there's two things being taught here. Um, one is for me as a child, my job was to honor my father, whether he was worthy of honor or not. However, for that to really coalesce and really mean something, there's something on the person being honored, and we'll get into that. And that's humility. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my children and say, I messed up. I need you to, you know, not, not, not I'm sorry, please forgive me, because I did it wrong. And you need to understand that. Um, my father, I, I, I might actually get through without choking up this time. Um, he, you knew what he wanted, and he demanded that you do it right. That was as a younger child. As, as I grew into 10, 11, 12, it was very much, here's what you need to do, Charles, and here's why you need to do it. And I, I don't really, st- still analyzing what he did, I don't understand all that my mom and dad did, um, along with God's grace, to instill certain things that just, um, uh, uh, things as simple as a work ethic. Um, but, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm being scattered now. At the time I approached age 25, I looked back and went, I didn't really appreciate who and what my dad was because I was too immature to really understand that. And I worked with him in his office for two years out of college. The first year was probably one of the hardest of my life because we are very opposite in the way we interact with people. He is a people's person. He'd talk to a wall. Um, and, and, and he could sit down and have conversations with you for hours. That's not me. I'm a technician. If we need to impart information, here's the information, we're done, right? A, B, pick, I gave you the pros and cons of each, let's move on. Um, so that first year was just radical for me. Um, but then as I got further away from that, and God kind of poked on my hard head and said, step back. He was successful before you walked into this office, Charles. Why? Because he's a people person. It was a sales job. And back off. Let him be who he is. And again, as I became an adult and saw who he really was, I, my, my honor and respect for him just drastically increased. Um, probably because of my capacity to understand. I didn't understand that as a kid growing up. Um, so anyway, the whole point there was for you to really have people honor you, it requires humility before them. It requires service, like you're saying, Skip. It doesn't take the onus off the child to give you due honor. But I'm just saying that for you to demand honor with a hammer isn't going to work very long. Um, I think with, I mean, I wrestle with this. How do you make children honor you? I think you model it by honoring others. It's one of those things that you catch. You know, kids can catch. If we as adults are showing honor and respect to others, the kids grow up more conditioned to do that. Does that make sense? Yes. I was, um, Austin was a teenager. Laura was probably middle school. And we were, and Ryan was still in a car seat. And we were driving near our house, and I was in a great conversation with Austin. We were just... It was just one of those moments where you're just, yeah, buddy, tell me about it. And it's just talking and talking. And I stopped at a stop sign, and I turned right, and all of a sudden I saw blue lights behind me. And I was like, oh, man. So I pulled over, and the last time that had happened, I was a teenager. And I was like, what? What did I do wrong? I was trying not to cry. Um, and the police officer came to me and he said, ma'am, did you see that stop sign back there? I said, yes, sir. Did I not stop? And he said, your tire, what was the rule? Your tires did not roll back, or it was not a complete stop. I said, I am so sorry. I, yes, sir. He said, well, if I gave you a ticket, it would be $250, but I'm going to let you slide this time. But if I see it again, and I'm here a lot, you'll get one. I said, oh, yes, sir. You know, well, I rolled up the window, we start driving off, and Austin goes, Mom, you stop just fine. What is his problem? <laughs> I mean, and we Ryan's been up going, are you going to go to jail? <laughs> <laughs> And Austin was really irritated because I had stopped, but it wasn't like 
you know, Matt probably would describe it very well or whatever. You know, if you're I have not rolled back enough on my tires with the braking of the stop. And in that moment, I thought, Heather, this is submission. Show Austin how to do it, you know, because I was irritated too. I felt like I had stopped good enough, but I was like, you know, he's the authority. Whether he's right or wrong, he's the position of authority. He, he could have given me a ticket. I'm just thankful that I didn't get a ticket. And there have been many examples of that. And you see, y'all see, I'm sure you do, like I do, people in Walmart, and they're screaming at their children, and their children are fearful of their parent, but there's no relationship there. There's no, there's no honor. There's no honor because there's no relationship. There's no trust. And it's, I think that verse that he brought out was the, the humility before honor. You know, I, I was talking to Charles about this last night. As parents, we know, and we come into it, like Skip said, you know, you're, you're handed this, this eternal soul that you're supposed to raise, and you're so ill-equipped. None of us are ready for that. And we're not even finished growing up, you know, and, and we're given this child, but to acknowledge the fact, and I think this is where people get stuck in demanding honor, because you know you're not perfect. How can I demand my child to honor me? Because I'm not perfect. That's really beside the point. We're in a position of authority that God's put us in. And so that's how we can say, you will honor me. I'm going to mess up, but you will honor me. And that's okay. We're, we're, we're kind of giving God's, we're giving God's blessing to demand in humility honor for the position that we hold. And that lesson is really well-learned, I see, um, when the parents are honoring the Lord and the children see that. They see that relationship and they can better apply it to directly to their parents. And that's where we're going oh. next. I do want to take one quick... I want to do one scenario. Okay. Um, but the setup for this is... So we talked about obedience. We talked about honor. Honor defined as high respect, great esteem. And the caution there is subtle dishonor is still dishonor. An eye roll as you walk away is dishonor. Uh, okay. Dishonor. Um, and and I, I, I think if you really work on that, particularly age one through five, the rest of those years a little bit easier, but it doesn't mean you give ground if you didn't get it in age one through five. We should make that six or seven because we are right there with Emma right We're now. We're in the middle of it. <laughs> We're in the middle of it. And with Emma, it's... Um, like the eye roll or the, I've, I've had actual friends say to me, well, they wanted to do this and you're telling them to do this. There's going to be that moment of disappointment. They're little, they're young. Give them that period of adjustment. I understand the disappointment. Let's say Emma thinks she's going to go play with her baby dolls and I say it's time to get your shoes on. We've got to go somewhere. She may have that initial, but... That's when, I, that's when I catch it. And I'll say, I know you're disappointed, but let's try that again. I'm going to say it again, and I want you to practice. That our thing that we say is, do what I say when I say it with a good attitude. I say, let's practice with your attitude. And if they're even too little to understand what attitude uh, it means, they can usually say, let's fix your face. Okay, fix your face, and let's try it again. And you can say it in an upbeat way. But don't let them get away with the, even at the little age, because by the time that little five-year-old is 15 and you tell them it's time to go, you're going to have a whole different set of yuckiness come out if you don't. And you can still, like, you, know, said, you can fix it, even if you haven't trained them. You can fix it, but you've got to fix it. You've got to start fixing it. And to that point, it doesn't have to be about a royal, but it takes engagement. It takes your time to say, time out. That didn't work right. Let's try that again. Sometimes that's three or four tries. That, nah, you're almost there to help them model what they really should do. And then you're late to church. And, and <laughs> so which is better? Be late to church. Child. Hey, I got to share something real quick. When you said yucky, just a funny little thing. Um, we were in the car one time, and one of the girls, with one of the older girls was in her car seat, and she answered me back not very kindly, and I said, you need to say that again. You need to say yes, ma'am. And she said that for a second, and she went, Yucky, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Perfect example. Well, let's try that again. So I want to throw one thing at you. Then I want to do a. I want to do a scenario. 
Um, so this goes back to a comment I made a couple times, that when children are adults, they're responsible for themselves. That does not take responsibility. So, so I'm trying to have... There are, it's, a, it's a balance. Both of these are truths. We're responsible to hold them account to what God would have them do. That's our responsibility. Having done that responsibility, they are fully on their own if they decide not to follow God. Not to follow God. So if you aren't familiar with the story of Eli, Eli was um, a high priest. He was a judge in Israel. And his sons were just totally depraved. They, they made a mockery of the sacrifice. They made a mockery of the temple. They didn't have a temple then, did they? The tabernacle. Um, and, and they did unspeakable things in front of the tabernacle. Um, and so, at one point, God comes to Eli. This is 1 Samuel 2.29. And he's talking directly to Eli through a prophet. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? There's a huge... If you catch that, you honored your children above me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel and my people therefore and then he goes on and passes judgment on Eli that there will not be um, an old man in his line that, that, that they will die on the same day on the battlefield and, and on and on um, not because Eli didn't acknowledge that God was who he was, but he refused to honor God above his children. He would not correct them. He did not rebuke them. And um, had he done so, it would have all been on his sons and not on him. So let's do a, because time is flying, let's, um, I want to get to parents and, okay, in all of that, what's our role? And it gets into to, to love, um, 1 Corinthians 13 and some of that. But I want to stop and do a quick scenario. So I'm going to do this at each table. John and Esther, would you like to come right down here so you can participate with the table real quick? And I know I've probably got five minutes before you have to go through these. So here's the scenario. And what I want you to do is listen to the scenario, talk about it at your table. Um, what would you do? Each of these scenarios really happened. They were either our children or somebody that we know or have read about happening. So these really happened. So, this person is visiting a family, and there's a couch, and the ba- the child is like a toddler, two, three years old, something like that, up on the couch with the arms, you know, standing on the couch with arms here, and there's a light switch on the wall, and the child starts going flick, 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 while the two adults are trying to have a conversation. So, the parent says to the child, stop doing that. Don't switch it on. Don't switch it on and off anymore. So, the first, and these two are... The first one really happened. The child then obeyed the rule. They stopped flicking the switch on and off, but they sit there and rub their hand all over the switch plate, <laughs> looking at their mama, just rubbing the switch plate and keeping the mama on edge. The other scenario would be the child, this is what one of our children would do, flick it one more time and then run away. <laughs> so y'all are to discuss those two things and talk to us about how you would handle it. Three or four minutes, real quick. What do you do? You're at someone else's house? No, it's your child. It's your child that just did that. Your child is your house. Your child is your house. You've got the company. That was direct to the videos. We would have to talk about anything. It was just the rubbing. Now, honey, mommy told me not to flick the switch, but are you still, you know, because that's very defiant. And it's so, like, exactly like what mine does. So, it's malicious compliance. I'm not expecting to do it. 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 I
One minute warning, I know I'm pushing you quick. If you're already ready, make your hand. I think I would say, very good, you stop flicking the switch, now you need to take your camera Okay, 10 seconds, wraps. Okay, sorry, because we are limited by time. Time. Um, table, what did you come up with? So, um, we we decided that if, if they click again and run, then obviously that's an immediate, uh, you know, excuse me, it's consequence or whatever you call in your house, where you run to the next room with them, and <laughs> you discipline with that, uh, that whatever form that takes for you. Um, but however you would deal with direct disobedience, that's obviously direct disobedience. With the, you know, keeping on doing it, um, yeah, at that point we would say, you know, thank you for stop to stop that you stop sw- uh, switching it on and off, but uh, now you need to s- sit down, you know, and leave the room. You know, we're trying to have a conversation here, uh, and then at that point they don't obey, then you deal with it the same way. Uh, and even if they do obey at that point, it's a conversation later. Okay, we're dealing with a heart issue now. Okay, no, it wasn't direct disobedience. No, I didn't say stop rubbing the light switch. But we need to talk about what's the attitude that's going on behind behind that you know, thing. I don't know, that was like, they they came up with all that. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's wrong, it's our yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything, to, anything to add or subtract over here? We just to make sure you're talking with your kid about what they did wrong. Like either you're telling them or have them tell you what they did wrong too. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you understand that you were just dancing with the line and, and what that means? It is good to make them say what they did wrong instead of you yes. always spoon-feeding them, this is what you did wrong, saying what was wrong with what you just did. Which, again, depends yeah. on age and maturity of age. If it's a two-year-old, <laughs> get off the sofa. <laughs> if it's a five-year-old, there's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Anything else from the back table? So we'll, we'll start with you next time. <laughs> I know we're pushing time. I really wanted to get to, okay, what about the parents? What, what's our role in this? So we talked about dying, two hills to die on to never give ground, obedience and honor. But there's an extremely high <coughs> demand on us as parents. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it around a little bit. 1 Corinthians 1.11, Paul's been teaching, 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 and he finally says, look, here's, here's what you need to do. Imitate me. As I imitate Christ. Ouch. Are you ready to say that to you? Just do what I do. Not do what I, you know, you need to do what I say, but do what I do. If I mess up the words, just do what I do. How, how many, you don't, don't answer this one. How many would feel comfortable telling your kids that? Quick example. This is the challenge of Emma having a mature father. <laughs> which is very different than Colin and Austin when I, I had a little bit more energy. So Ryan and I are in a room, and Emma comes in, I want to play. Okay, what do you want to play? Uh, let's play family. It's just out of her mouth, and Ryan says, I'm going to be the dead uncle. Okay. <laughs> you learned that from me. I'll be sick. Go get a play bunch doctor. of stuff. Up, uh, go get you know, cashews or whatever, and you can give me pills and make me better. 
<laughs> so they will imitate what you do. Um, Have y'all ever caught yourself saying, stop using that tone of voice with your brothers? Oh, yeah, that's a real good one. Stop that one. Please stop speaking so So I'm going to jump into 1 Corinthians 13. And again, this is on us. This is on us, the parents. Love suffers long and is kind, does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely. Listen to me! Does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what we're supposed to be um, so that they can truly imitate us. How do you learn how to suffer long? Anybody? It's real easy. You suffer long. How do you learn not to be provoked? By having multiple opportunities to be provoked. Um, so I'm just trying to lay out the challenge for us. Um, do you have that? I give you Ephesians six four. Yes. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So it's not just my way or the highway. It's a relationship, and it's I care about you, and therefore these are things that need to happen. Um, I talked about. Paul saying, imitate, imitate me. Just imitate me, you'll be okay. I, I pray that one day I might be there. That, that's really the call we, we should be. We should be imitators of Christ. And in doing so, say, look, just do what you see me doing. And whenever you catch yourself not living up to that, well, that's something you need to take care of with your Heavenly Father. Um, and then teach. Can you get me Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9? This goes back to what Eli did not do. Six sixty one. Six, Sorry. And then we'll wrap. Sorry, I could have done it. Here it is. <clears throat> and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So talking about God, who he is, what he requires of us, what he's done for us, when you wake up, when you lay down, when you're eating, when you're doing your normal daily stuff around the house. That's what we're called to do. And in doing so, we've done our job. It's still God's grace as to what happens with any individual human. But we've done our job. Um... I know we're out of time, so I'm just gonna, I'll hit on these a little bit more. But part of teaching is <clears throat> talking about potential stress that will come. Did you want to do that real fast, like one minute? Oh. Your example? Um, whenever I was taught, like uh, my mother, uh, just a, a great parent, and she, I would say, I'm having this issue with this child. She would always advise me to talk about it when you're not in the moment of crisis. So let's say if Emma is... Um, talking a lot in church or not being still it's not in church is not the time to address it it's back at home say okay we had a problem today this is what we need to do and just one more thing that i want to clarify the love chapter and the tone of voice thing that doesn't mean that you're never supposed to use a firm voice with your children you know that that there's a a school of thought out there right now that's really emphasizing parenting with grace but God gave the Old Testament first. He gave the law first so that we could understand our need for grace. There is a place for law in our home, and and there's nothing wrong with that. That is doing it God's way. That's how he taught us. And when your child is immature and can't wrap their head around all these rules necessarily, it's it's a great time to take them aside when you're you know, loving cuddly time, that's the time to explain you know why mama wants you to do it this way but then there are other times where you're in the middle of it and you need them to change their behavior right now and there's nothing wrong with using a firm voice Emma will sometimes, so many times when I correct her she'll say, are you mad at me? Do you still love me? And I'm just saying, Emma you will do this. And She's super sensitive and I'm like, this is my job God wants me to correct you I love you too much to let you act like this so yes, I do love you and I am very mad at your behavior (laughs) So it's, it's a balance of law and grace, just like God gave us. So quick recap. Get on the same page with God and your spouse. Um, 
hills to die on, obedience and honor. And then parents, our job is to love them, to teach them the things of God, um, to be an example so that they can follow you. And I'll finish this out with an example around teaching and training styles change with age. Um, you might want to leave at this point. <laughs> you don't have to. But as, as we've stacked older kids in the household, um, and then you're dealing with a younger one, something is easy. So this is really isn't the one you're talking about. I would do a different one. You're welcome. Um, when kids are just learning how to play games with you, I, I'm really lax with letting them win. But then I have a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old going, ah, 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 Dad, you gave her the four aces, so now, yeah, she's going to win the war game. And it's like, that's not what I'm teaching them yet. I'll teach them how to lose a little bit later. They aren't, that's not a real strength for a three or four or five-year-old to, to lose every game. So same thing when you're playing soccer in the backyard or whatever. Um, the training is different at different ages. Um, so I will go with you. But sometimes the older ones in the house are going, oh, oh you didn't do that with me. <laughs> well, that child's different, and, and their personality is different. Um, I'll close it with this. You can probably guess which was the hard-headed child in my house. He's no longer in the house with us. He's launched well, I think, but he was the one that was always this way. With Laura, I'm sorry you're here. I could say something in a firm tone and she just crumbled. With, with Austin, it would be, oh, you meant that? <laughs> All ten times? <laughs> Both days? Um, I know you got to go, Eric, and we're right behind you. So I'm just saying that each child presents a different personality. They need a different approach. They're not all cookie cutters, and I know if you've got more than one, you know that. So um, let me close out. We'll do more scenarios. There were two scenarios we wanted to get to. We'll, we'll probably, do those next probably spend maybe 15 minutes in scenarios next time because I think it helps put it together better. Um, but thank you for your time. Any feedback you have, we'd love to hear it. And, and if you um, if you want if you're new and you want me to order you a book, just come see me after class. So let me pray and we'll go. Father, thank you that you've um, given us your word, and that's sufficient for everything that we need in our lives. Lord, give us the wisdom to extract from that how we should live, and that we really could go to people honestly and say, "Imitate me," because we imitate you. Um, that's a huge step from where I am, Lord, but I pray that you would help each of us get to that point, that we imitate you so closely that we could confidently tell people to imitate us as Paul did. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen.